standing with two of his disciples. <laughs> and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. What a treat that must have been to lay eyes on the Lamb of God. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I'm always in awe of your grace, um, your mercy, your love for us, your provision. I pray right now, Lord, um, as we open your word, that you would speak to your people, that you would use your servant, Lord, that you would move me out of the way. Lord, block out any distractions. Lord, soften hearts, open ears to hear exactly what you have to say, and may you be glorified through everything that's said up here today. May you increase while I decrease. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Let the church say, amen. You may be seated. If you look at the title of today's message is El Roy, the God that sees. You know, back in the day, in your PC days, pre-Christian days, y'all used to get all dressed up and used to walk into the club. I'm looking around. <laughs> you put your best outfits on and you, you walk into the club and when you enter those doors, you will make eye contact with various individuals and some of the guys will point. And they will point at you and you point at them. And then you will move a little further through the club and then repeat the process over again. You point and they point at you. If you were from the west side, you probably kneel down and point it. You from the west side. And this whole process was a form of acknowledgement. In essence, is what you were saying was that I see you and I see that you got it going on. You know, I know some of you all have no idea what I'm talking about but there's a few of you all that do. And I want you to know that I know who you are. I ain't gonna say no names, but I know <laughs> who you are. But you see, it would be a whole situation if you walked in and you're all dressed up in your best outfit and nobody acknowledged you. Everybody kept doing what they doing, whether they were dancing or drinking or doing whatever they were doing, talking to other people, and nobody paid you any attention, you would begin to feel some kind of way. You'd almost feel as if you were invisible. You know, there's a segment of our population that has become invisible. They're called the homeless. If you go down on Lower Wacker or even Canal Port right off before you get to 290, you drive under the overpass there, you see various individuals in tents, some laying on the sidewalk, some by the road asking for money. People are passing them by every single day as if they don't even exist. I heard a guy on the radio, he said, they were, he was a homeless guy, and he said, you know what the toughest thing about being homeless is? Is that it's like you, you don't exist. It's like you, you, people look through you, they walk around you, it's like you're not even there. He said, that's the toughest thing. I thought he would have been saying like food, or he said, no, it's just the acknowledgement of your presence. People don't see you. You know, you can feel like that in your own household. You, they see you, but they don't see you, right? They see you, but they don't see what's going on inside of you. They don't see the turmoil. They don't see uh, uh, the depression. They don't see that you, you're all in, in shambles on the inside. 
you're not seen. My brother, uh, a friend of their family, 18-year-old uh, son, uh, this just happened three, three, four weeks ago. He had got a $40,000 settlement, and he was posting things on Facebook. Looked like he was a happy kid. He was spending that money. And when the money ran out, he came home. He called his girlfriend, hung up the phone, took his own life. The family is shocked because they didn't see it coming. Nobody had a clue that he was struggling. Nobody had a clue that what this young man was wrestling with because he had become invisible. I'm here to encourage you this morning that when people don't see you, God sees you. Elroy sees you. Oftentimes we feel that the Lord has sometimes even forgotten about us as we encounter various life's challenges. While prayers and his plan in our eyes are taking too long to unfold, Maybe he too, he's too busy looking over other people, some of y'all might think. So we take matters into our own hands and we mess things up. We must learn to exercise patience and trust that the Lord Elroy sees every detail of our lives, our pain, struggle, challenges, and failures. He not only sees every detail, but he's actively working things out according to his plan and timetable. There's four things that I want you to grasp this morning as we examine the text, Genesis chapter 16, and take a closer look at our God, El Roy, the God that sees. I could say amen and close out right here on that, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> Put your seatbelts on. I might keep you long. I'm going to give you my first four points just in case y'all fall asleep. I'm going to give them to you early. I usually go through the text first, but I'm going to give you the points early just in case y'all fall asleep. The first one is stay with his plan. What is it? Stay with his plan. The second one is, is when you deviate from his plan, you now become responsible for the drama that ensues. When you deviate from his plan, you now become responsible for the drama that ensues. Number three, the Lord sees every aspect of our lives. The Lord sees every aspect of our lives. And number four, El Roy sees from a perspective that we can't see. He sees from a perspective that we can't see. So let's jump into the text of Genesis chapter 16. Genesis 16. I get my iPad going here. We know that in chapter 15, uh, the Lord had given Abram, whose name hadn't changed to Abraham, he had given him a, a word that he was actually going to have an heir that was going to come through his body. And he said, basically he said, your descendants would be so numerous. If you could count the stars in the sky, it's going to be, that's what your descendants are going to look like. So this was the promise that he had given Abram in chapter 15. And so we pick up in chapter 16 and the text reads as follows. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said, to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go to my servant, 
it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to Sarai's voice. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into her, to Hagar, and she conceived. And when he saw that, when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. She got an attitude. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to you, to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between me, between you and me. And, but Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai, Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, hey, God, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. That's interesting. And had his hand against everyone, everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over, over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are God of seeing. Elroy is what she was saying. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well called Bur Laha Roy, Roy, it lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the son, the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. A lot in that text, right? There's a lot happening there. God had promised uh, Abram that he was going to have an heir, right? So they decided that uh, it was taking too long. They had been in the land of Canaan for 10 years. So 10 years they had been trying trying to get pregnant. They and it wasn't happening. And they were looking at the external and saying, man, I'm, I'm, I'm already up there in years. I know what God said, but this thing isn't happening. We got to take matters into our own hand. Remember what I said, stay with the plan? Stay with his plan? They didn't do that. They said, hey, we got we to gotta help, help God out. So, so Sarai goes to Abram and says, gives him this, this whole idea of, hey, you take my, my slave girl, my maidservant, you go into her, and we can have a family through her. Sounds like a good idea? Uh, <laughs> no, not a good idea. So she decides to help God out at this point. Right. She decides to help God out and, and, and deviate from the plan. You know, we do that sometimes. We, 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 God isn't, isn't, isn't moving fast enough 
let me let me help let me help God out. Any of you have ever been driving with somebody and they riding a shotgun in that, in that seat, that front seat, and they're telling you what to do? Slow down. Stop. You driving too fast. Turn here. Turn there. I do it to my wife all the time. And at some point, she turns to me and go, do you want to drive? I go, no, no, no. You keep driving. And then the process repeats itself over and over and over again. And I'm pretty sure some of you all can relate. They decide to help thing, help help God out. But here's the thing you got to know. There's three things that tend to happen when you when you I want you to grab a hold of when you when you thinking about deviating from God's plan, doing your own thing. First thing you need to realize, God doesn't need our help. He holds the whole world in his hand. He does not need your help. He got this thing under control. What you need to do is stay seated, actually get out of shotgun, get out of the front seat and get out in the back seat and let him drive. What you need to do is sit down and shut up. Right, Morrison? Sit down and shut up. That's a running joke between me and Pete. I had a police officer talk to me that way. My my one of my technicians, the Burger King was being robbed. And so he called me and said, what should I do? I said, "You, you need to get down. Get somewhere where if you can get out the back door, you get out the back door. So I rushed over there to see about him, right? I'm the manager, so I got to go check on my guy. I walk into Burger King, the police are there, and the lady officer walked up to me and she said, who are you? So I gave her my business card. I'm all professional. I'm Brandon Savage. I'm the district manager of Anderson Pest Solutions. She looked at me and she said, sit down and shut up. And that's how she said it. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you right now. Sit down, shut up, let God cook. I learned that from my daughter. My daughter taught me, let him cook. What that means is he's on to something. He knows what he's doing. Get out of his way. Let him cook. The text goes on to read. They now, Hagar is actually pregnant at this point. It says in verse four, it says, and when Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. She got an attitude. She started feeling some kind of way. It doesn't say particularly the details in terms of exactly what happened. I don't know if she was rubbing her stomach around Sarai and kind of kind of poking fun at her, because it's a serious thing when you can't have children. That's a serious, serious thing for a woman. I remember in uh, seventh grade, I got put in a remedial class. I ain't going to tell y'all how. It wasn't because I wasn't smart. I fooled around a lot in sixth grade. My son over there laughing. Boy, you better get that smile off your face. But I got put in this bad boy class. And these kids were, um, they were, they were like crazy. They were shooting guns in the lunchroom. This is seventh grade. One of the kids bought a gun and fired it in the lunchroom. They were just off the chain crazy. I was the only student in the class. It was 17 of us. The teacher's name was Miss Kent. And so she would ask a question and I would go, she would, anybody know the answer? And I raised my hand. Me and her would do this all day. But there was this one young lady um, named Tanya. And somehow she found out that Miss Kent couldn't have babies. Miss Kent had this demerit board uh, where she would give you what was called free rider marks. And so if you got so many, you had to go see the principal. I'm going somewhere with this. 
So she, Tanya, guess she gave Tanya a mark, and Tanya said, I don't care, give me another one. I don't care, give me another one. And she said, guess what? That's why you can't make no babies. And it was like everything went in slow motion. The whole class was silent. You know how you start to cry, but it don't come out right away. Your face go, ah, and she said, Miss Kent did that. And she ran out of the classroom. We never saw Miss Kent again. She never taught at Jenner School again. That cut her so deep, that one comment. And for the life of me as a kid, I'm like, what was that? What? But now I know that's a serious issue for a woman. So imagine how Sarai is feeling at this point as she's walking, uh, as Hagar's walking around and she sees that she has something that she couldn't have, she couldn't produce. And so I don't know what the dialogue was, exactly what she said, but she started to look at her a certain kind of way. Here's the next thing I want you to grab a hold of. Remember what I said point two was? Anybody remember point two? We're going to be here a long time. We're going to be here long. Y'all just added 10 more minutes. When you deviate from his plan, you now become responsible for the drama that ensues. When you step outside of God's plan, now you, you, you're responsible for all the chaos and the drama that ensues. And that's what happens here. And watch what, ten, you know, when we tend to make bad decisions, what's the first thing that sometimes most people do? We started to blame other people. We started to point fingers. And this is what happens here. It says in the text, as Sarai said to Abraham, may the wrong done to me be on you. On you. Even though it was her idea, but, but he actually agreed to it. This was under his watch. Because what he should have did in hindsight, and I cut him a little bit of slack. Let me take a step back. I cut him a little bit of slack in the sense that we're looking at this thing through our, our moral lens today. But this was common practice back then to have, uh, if you couldn't, a woman couldn't have a child, that would be a surrogate, usually a slave that they would, they would have would be a surrogate mom for that couple. So it was common practice. But what being a man of God, what he should have done was, let me go pray about this thing. That's not what God said, but let me, let me go seek the Lord. He looked at her and said, okay. He just said, okay, I do it. <laughs> I, I make baby with Hagar. And that's what he did. And so Sarai is now upset. She said, may the wrong be done to me be on you. I gave you my servant uh, uh, to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord judge between you and me. So now Abram washes his hand of, this, of the situation. He said, hey, that's your slave girl. You do with her as you please. He washes his hands of this whole thing. He said, hey, hey, that, that's you. you, you I, he saw her as just a piece of meat. Just like, hey, he didn't, he didn't care anything about Hagar. She was just a vehicle that was being used by them to bring forth a child. So he said, you do with her as you will. And Sarai deals harshly with Hagar. It says, so uh, Abram, the angel of the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me jump back. In verse six, it says, but Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. 
that Sarai dealt harshly with her. I don't know exactly what she did. Might have been working long hours, giving her uh, 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 menial tasks, very difficult tasks to do, talking to her a certain kind of way. Whatever she did, it upset Hagar so much that she ran. And that's we have a tendency to do that, right? When things get tough, we run. And there are times where we are supposed to flee, right? There are times where we are supposed to flee. But in this situation, Hagar should have just stayed the course. But she ran. And the text goes on to read, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. She was headed back towards Egypt. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. I want to take a step back for a minute. When you deviate from God's plan, you're now responsible for the drama that ensues. I like to give real life scenarios. I like to give real life scenarios. Anybody ever marry the wrong person? None of y'all better answer that. Donna, I see you over there. <laughs> Mama Laverne, <laughs> you better not answer that right now. I know a young lady that married the wrong person. And her reason for marrying that person was that she thought that she would never find another Christian guy. And this was her chance. It's like the only Christian guy she knew growing up is the first one that she dated. It's like, I gotta do this thing now. Wasn't in God's plan. Now she's going through a difficult divorce. Those are real life things that happen when we step outside of God's plan. We start to do things our own play, our own way. And now she's responsible for the chaos that's ensued. Now the kids are involved. It's a whole messy situation because she didn't stick with the plan. Now there's all kinds of drama that you got to go through. I would rather wait. And I say this to my daughters, I say this to my sons or any other young person or anybody listening right now, wait on the Lord. You will never go wrong. If he tells you he's going to do something, that check's going to cash. You take it, you can take that check to the bank. It's going to cash. Sometimes other folks write checks. It's 50 50 when you go. You don't know if it's going to bounce or not. You, you you nervous, you running and trying to deposit that thing as fast as you can before it's uh, non-sufficient funds or insufficient funds. Darius back there smiling. <laughs> but wait on the Lord and you, and you avoid all the drama that will ensue by making uh, a bad decision. Now, uh, Hagar's on the run. The angel of the Lord sees her. And, and, and here's the thing we got to understand at point three is that Elroy sees um, every aspect of our lives. That's kind of scary when you think about it. God sees everything that's going on with you. He knows what you're thinking, what you're doing. That makes me nervous standing up here right now because sometimes I'm not thinking right. Sometimes I'm thinking about putting my hands on somebody. Sometimes I'm thinking about uh, uh, saying something I probably shouldn't say. 
And I know y'all looking at me like, clutch my pearls, not Deacon Savage. Y'all do it too. We all do, but God is watching everything. Think about that for a minute. You do not have a private moment where God doesn't see what's going on with you. Every 24-7, can you imagine that? This is reality. God sees everything. He sees the challenges in your life. He sees the issues, the disappointments, the frustrations. He knows your thoughts, everything, your deeds, everything. He sees that 24-7. Y'all better straighten up and fly right. <laughs> the Lord is watching. He's <laughs> taking the record, the count. We might not see it. You can image, image manage and come in here looking like you got it all together and walk out those doors and be a hot mess. The Lord knows. Elroy sees every aspect of our lives. He saw that uh, uh, Hagar was mistreated. He saw that uh, she didn't have a choice in the matter. She didn't ask for this. This was thrust upon her as, as a slave, as a servant uh, uh, of, of Sarah. This was thrust. She didn't have a choice in the matter. This was dumped on her. Now she's mistreated. Now she did have an attitude, but I probably have an attitude too. It's like, you put me in this situation, and I don't want to have a, uh, this old dude as a father of my child. And that's just Brandon talking. That's not, I want y'all to say he over here misquoting the scriptures. <laughs> that's me talking. She got, this got thrust on her. The Lord saw all of that. He saw her being mistreated by Sarai. And the text tells us, it says, the angel of the Lord also said to her, it said, the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit. I want to stop right there for a quick minute. If as we move on through the text, notice what was not said, as Pastor always says. Notice what was not said. The angel of the Lord didn't say, go back and submit. I'm going to uh, change Sarai's attitude. Didn't say that. I'm going to change your circumstances. Didn't say that. So why did she agree to go back? And we've never done this in, in church before where you ask a question and expect to get a response back. It's not rhetorical today. Actually, it is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why did she go back? I, I, I think that for, for the first time in a long time through this whole process, guess what? The, the angel of the Lord knew her name, addressed her by name. If you notice in the text that, but according to uh, Hagar, and, and, and Abram, I mean, Sarah and Abram, that they referred to her as a maid servant, as a slave. They never referred to her in regards to her name. That gets her attention. It says something that you, God knows your name. Out of all the billions of people in the world, he knows my name. You know, at Anderson, one of the things the president used to do when he came down to our office, Doug, he, he pulled me aside when he didn't know somebody's name. It was important to him that when he walked up to that person, he addressed them as, how you doing, Doug? How you doing, James? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? He knew, he knew their names. That says something when somebody knows your name. Imagine if Barack Obama walked up to you and said, hey, Deacon Taylor, how you doing? That says something, right? It's a whole nother thing when God knows your name. Think about how miraculous that is and all these people in the world that God knows my name. 
he addresses Hagar by name. I think that was an encouragement to her. The other thing was she got a vision of his plan. He gave her a vision of what his plan was. Yeah, that's a purpose to what you're going through, Hagar. I got a whole plan that I'm working out. You go back and you submit. I'm not going to change your circumstances, but you go back and you submit. And I'm going, I got a whole plan that I'm working out. He tells her, you're going you're gonna to have a child. You're going to name, you're going to have a boy. You're going to name him uh, 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 Ishmael because the Lord listened to your affliction. That's what Ishmael means. God hears. God heard. God sees. The text goes on to read, Elroy sees from a perspective that we can't see. Our view is limited. We can't see what's, what's going on from our perspective. In football, what happens is some of the coaches get in the press box. They get way up, so they got a view, and they can see what the offense and the de defense is actually doing, right? And so they can make the, the proper calls, the adjustments and everything. That's what God is doing. God has a perspective that we can't see. And so in order for us to tap into that, we just have to trust him. We got to have faith that he has that thing, thing under control. He has a whole perspective that we can't see. When I, you know, I was thinking about whether uh, I was going to be able to preach this month. I wasn't feeling too well. My respiratory has, has been acting up. And I, I, I was like, Lord, I, I told pastor, I said, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe the last week of the month, uh, 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 I'll be able to do it. I didn't know. And I'm coughing and, 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 and breathing all crazy and stuff. And then the Lord said, I got a perspective that you can't see. I was thinking about, uh, uh, man, how, how am I going to be able to meet the financial obligations this month? And Roy said, I got a perspective that you can't see. When you think about all the, the health issues and challenges that each one of you are going through and, and you're, you're wrestling with that thing and it's like nobody cares and you don't see a way out of this thing. And not only is your, your prayers not being answered, the problems are compounded. You were dealing with one thing. Now you're dealing with something else. And Roy said, I got a perspective that you can't see. When you're dealing with your, your marital issues and you got things that are going on and you're trying to figure out how to get your marriage back on track, Elroy is seeing from a perspective that we can't see. Y'all get the point? Elroy has a perspective that we can't see and we got to trust him. Pastor, I'm going to clean off this uh, later on when I come back through. So I know, I know what you're thinking already. <laughs> I can't say what you're thinking, but I know what you're thinking already. <laughs> Elroy sees from a perspective that we can't see. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant, shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand shall be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he dwell and shall dwell over and against all kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. A slave girl. 
names God El Roy, the God that sees. Isn't that awesome? Slave girl, forgotten about, kicked to the curb, used as a piece of meat, as a vehicle, just for them to accomplish their purpose of bringing forth a child, an heir for their household. She's forever recorded in the, the books and the scriptures for the rest of all eternity. The one who gave the Lord the name, El Roy, the God that sees. This is an interesting, um, I think Lord has a, a serious sense of humor. Uh, I'm gonna keep y'all just for a little bit longer. So don't think y'all out of here just yet. I see hope over there. Like when will he be done? Another 30 minutes hope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I ain't gonna keep you long. I think the Lord has a sense of humor because my dad's name is Elroy, E-L-R-O-Y. But here's the thing, and it's, it's a different, different meaning, <laughs> totally different meaning. It takes E-L-R-O-I changes the whole different. It might sound the same, but it's not the same. <laughs> the meaning is totally different because my dad never saw me. He saw me, but he never saw me. He saw me, but he didn't see what happened to him in my life. Didn't see all the, what was, what Brandon Savage was really all about. The man that I've grown up to be. He never saw any of that, but my father, <laughs> Elroy, my God, was there from day one. Is with me every single day. He sees me when I'm struggling, taking breathing treatments and trying to figure out how I'm going to get this medication. And he continues to meet me. Not only does he see, he's a God that's active and he cares and he's making moves. He's not just watching you go through your situations. He has a whole plan, not just for me. He has a whole plan for each one of you. Elroy. The God that sees. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you how you speak to us in um, ways um, where we need to hear it. Lord God, I really needed that message, this word you've laid on my heart as it speaks to your people, Lord. It really spoke to me. And it's funny how you bring those things to uh, the surface and how you care for us, Lord, how you're watching everything. And it's not that you are, are, are sleeping or slumbering. You never sleep. You never slumber. You're on guard, on watch 24-7. Lord, help us to trust your plan, not deviate from it. Lord God, help us to, to have faith, Lord, even when we don't see things working out how we think they should. Help us to keep our hands out of it, Lord, and let you cook. We commit this time, Lord, to you. Lord, if there's someone that, that's watching that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray uh, that they would just say, hey, they would. Say that, hey, I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent your son, 
Jesus to die on the cross. And not only did he die, he rose again. He paid the penalty for my sins. I repent and I trust you as Lord and Savior. I pray that they would pray that prayer and that they would come into the family of God. So we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for my church. Thank you for what you're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen.